and welcome to the Destiny Church Podcast. We trust that this will be a great encouragement to you and build your faith. Enjoy today's message. Come on, Destiny Church, how we doing this morning? I hope y'all came with expectancy in your heart. The word says those who hunger and thirst will be filled. I hope you're here with expectancy in your heart, with faith in your heart, that God has a timely word for you. Amen. Before I do anything, I want to honor Pastor Chad and Pastor Tasha. Aren't they incredible? Are you grateful for the vision that's in their heart? Chad already introduced me, but uh, those who, who may not know, my name is Mark. I'm the campus pastor at our Marshfield campus. And honestly, I think it's hilarious that I'm out in Marshfield, Missouri. Because if you, if you know, maybe you know, maybe you don't know, but I'm from Rhode Island. I'm from the Northeast, three, three hours from New York, New York, three hours from Boston. I came out to Missouri, came out to the Bible Belt for college and uh, talk about culture shock, y'all. In 2013, so I'm from Narragansett, Rhode Island. It's right outside of Providence, Rhode Island. In 2013, Providence, Rhode Island was voted the least biblically minded city in America. Yeah, come on, talk about, you know, yeah. I mean, think about a culture that has no, found, no biblical foundation. And that's what we're coming from. So I remember coming out to Springfield, Missouri for college, went to Evangel University for a couple of years. And I went from the least biblically minded city to one of the most biblically minded cities in America, right? I remember walking into McDonald's when we got here and they were playing Christian music in McDonald's. And I thought, I was like, McDonald's is going to get sued. I'm like, you get arrested for that, right? So Chad comes up to my office. I come out to Missouri. I basically get stuck in Missouri. Chad comes, out, comes up to my office. Here I am, I'm, you know, doing the youth pastor thing. We end up moving out here and it's been incredible. And he comes up and he's like, you know, I, I, I think I'd like to see you and Abigail take over our Marshfield campus. And I'm like, Marshfield, Missouri? Like, I don't hunt. <laughs> I don't farm. I don't fish, y'all. You know, like, so, so I, I say that it's hilarious that we ended up in Marshfield, Missouri, because culturally, we're not a fit. Now, I will say it's been one of the most incredible seasons of ministry. We love, we love Marshfield. We love the people of Marshfield. It's been so, so good. But, but the fact remains true that every community has a culture, right? Every community has a culture, a set of beliefs values, form of communication. And as citizens of the kingdom of heaven, we submit ourselves to kingdom culture. Amen? As Jesus followers filled with the spirit of God, right? We've been given everything we need to live right now. Not when we get there, to live right now as citizens of heaven. Amen? You and I, we're citizens of heaven when we're following Jesus. Amen? So this is why when I read through the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, when, when Jesus is, is giving this Sermon on the Mount, this incredibly lengthy message that, that's just so full of biblical principles, I just want to drink it all in because really what he's doing is he's laying out a blueprint for the kingdom's culture. When you're a Jesus follower, this is what your life is going to look like. When, you, when you're a Jesus follower, this is how you're going to think. This is how you're going to act. This is how you're going to talk. This is what it's going to look like to follow me. So as we begin week two of our series, Kingdom Culture, I want to hone in on a little section of Jesus's Sermon on the Mount. 
uh, that we find in Matthew 6. So here's what I'm going to do. My wife actually rubbed some frankincense on me on the way over. I feel anointed to preach. Amen. Come on. All my essential oil people said, amen. I feel anointed to preach. I'm ready to preach. I want to, I want to share this verse. Uh, <laughs> y'all are like, who is this guy? Right? Come on. Sure. It says Jesus loves you. Amen. And he does. All right. I want to share this quick little snippet here. I, I want to read this. I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to preach. Does that sound all right? Okay, Matthew 6. If you got your Bibles, turn with me. If you didn't bring your Bible to church, bring it next week. It's good for you. You need to be reading your Bible, all right? If not, I got it on the screen. Matthew 6, verse 25, it says this. This is Jesus talking, right? This is out of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is talking to his disciples, sharing all types of principles and things about the kingdom culture, the kingdom of heaven. Let's read it. That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns for your heavenly father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable than they are? Someone say, don't worry. Come on. Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? Jesus asked. Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? He continues on verse 28. And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares, someone say God cares. Come on, you need to know that this morning. You need to know that God cares. Amen. Our confidence needs to be found in the fact that God cares. Okay. So, and if God cares so wonderfully for the wildflowers that are here today and thrown in the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. And then Jesus asks, why do you have so little faith? Why do you have so little faith? He continues on. So don't worry. Say, don't worry. So don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly father, he already knows all your needs. Here's the key. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. Live righteously and he will give you everything you need. Seek him, live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. I want to give you a message this morning. I've titled, Don't Worry. Don't Worry. Let's pray and then we'll jump in. Father, as we're in this place this morning, I pray that your Holy Spirit would till the soil of our hearts. God, as the seed of your word goes forth, the seed of your word, which is truth, I pray that it would land in that fertile soil in our hearts and it grow to produce fruit in our lives. Father, we want to be more like you. Your word says those who hear the word but don't do the word, are deceiving themselves. Father, I pray that we would be transformed this morning. And if your word tells us not to worry, we're not going to worry, Lord. So set us free. Those in the room battling anxiousness, battling fear, battling worry. Father, I believe you're here today to set people free. If you got faith for it, say amen. All right, y'all. So yeah, I'm a preacher. Um, I, but I think something that important for y'all to know is Um, not only do I lead a holy life, but I'm also about 13% hood. Okay. (laughs) Pray with me. Don't play with me. Amen. 
And I attribute that characteristic of me to the one year that I spent in Cumberland, Rhode Island. So as a kid, remember, born and raised in Rhode Island, as a kid, moved out to Ohio just for a little bit, and then we moved back to Rhode Island, and we lived in this one town called Cumberland, and then we moved to another town. But while I was in this town, Cumberland, for that one year, it made me a man. Amen. I mean, the Lord, Lord developed some things in me in that year. And uh, so, so it, <laughs> Cumberland was right outside of Central Falls, Rhode Island. And Central Falls, Rhode Island is the hood, right? So I don't know if it's offensive to say that now, now or not. I don't know what's offensive anymore. But, but, but some, of those, some of those characteristics had kind of dripped into Cumberland, Rhode Island. So there, there were some so- characteristics of the inner city that, you know, were shaping and molding me and had their effect. And I was wearing the jerseys with the straight brimmed hats. And, you know, I, <laughs> I wanted to be like that. And I remember one day while I'm in school, this, the school was close enough where I could walk to the school or ride my bike. I take my bike to school. And, and at some point throughout this day, um, I had made fun of a kid in the bathroom because he was acting ghetto and he was acting like he was tough. But I'm telling you, if push came to shove, and I let that 13% out, I think I could have put this kid out. That's all I'm saying. I know, it's so bad. Lord has sanctified me since him. This is, this is sixth grade, so. <laughs> so I make fun of this kid. I don't even think about it. I don't even think about it. And after school, my tire's been popped on my bike. I'm like, oh, man. So I have to push my bike all the way home. And I am taking my bike through the parking lot at McCourt Middle School. And um, it's kind of like in the movies, a mob of middle schoolers come out from behind these cars. Yeah. Now, some of these kids I recognize, they're sixth graders, they're seventh graders, they're eighth graders. And I've seen some of these kids beat up other kids. The sad part is one of the kids is actually a girl. And I've seen her beat up other girls in I don't know how my, how my chances would be against her. So I'm even scared of her. So they come out and, and there's a leader of the pack. And he looks at me as I'm pushing my bike. And he says, yo, I heard you were making fun of my boy. And he rips off his shirt and wraps it around his fist. Now, I know in theory, that's going to make the punch hurt less, but it scared me more. Okay. I'm like, that was a power move. What are you about to do? Wrapping your shirt around your head. Right. And here I am about to pee my pants as a a sixth grader. I'm like, I am literally about to get beat up in my my middle school parking lot. Talk about being worried. Talk about being worried. Church, anyone in the room ever been worried? You you ever been worried? You ever been anxious? You ever been fearful? If you've been alive longer than a day, you've been presented with the opportunity to be worried. And as a pastor, I've heard parents talk about how they're worried about their kids, that that they're doing enough as parents, that their kids are going to grow up to love Jesus, that their kids won't go wayward. I've I've heard people share about their worry of being alone. I don't want to be alone forever. I'm scared of being alone. I, I miss relationships. I've had conversations. I had a conversation with a woman recently in my office who is still battling with remorse over her decision 20 years ago to have an abortion. Still battling with the remorse, the shame, and the guilt. She's sitting in my office in tears, crying. She's worried, am I going to battle this remorse forever? She's worried. Maybe some of y'all are worried of losing loved ones. 
when we start pondering the things that makes, make us fearful or make us anxious or make us worried, I think we can all think of something. But let's not forget what Paul wrote in Philippians, right? He says this in Philippians 4, pretty familiar verse, but I think it's always worthy of the share. Paul wrote this to the church in Philippi. He said, don't worry. Everyone say, don't worry. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and then thank him for all he's done. And check out what happens when we do that. Then, come on, say then. Then you will experience God's peace. Wow. Hey, take what you're worried about, pray about it, and then something supernatural happens. All of a sudden, you get to experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. Hallelujah. Glory. And and then it says this, his peace that he gives you, it'll guard your heart and it'll guard your mind. Consistently throughout the scriptures, we see this message, don't worry. As Jesus followers, a part of the kingdom culture, something we get liberated to do is not worry. Don't worry. I think as believers, we know that worry has no place in the kingdom culture. Yet at times, I feel like we're so content to let worry run rampant in our communities, in our churches, and in ourselves. And y'all, I am all about empathizing and sympathizing. I'm a pastor, so if I'm not, I need a new job. Amen? So so I'm all about loving on each other and coming alongside each other when we're anxious and when we're worried and when we're fearful. And, and, And those who are in the room struggling with fear and worry and anxiety, I hate that you're walking through that. But in the same vein, church, I'm heartbroken over Christians' contentment to label themselves anxious and worried and chalk it up as this is the way I am. This is just the way I am. And I'm sorry if I'm being overly opinionated here, but as I read God's word, as I become more familiarized with the schemes of the enemy, I think it's about time we as believers stopped accepting that our friends are just anxious, stopped accepting that our friends were just worried, and that's the way they are, right? If we don't challenge those around us to battle their anxiousness, to battle their fear, to battle their worry, we are not loving them well. No, I won't just accept you're an anxious person. That's not just the way you are. No, no, I won't just accept that you're a worrier. You need to stop. Don't tell me this is just the way I am and insult the same power that raised Christ from the dead. You and me as Jesus followers, we got God's spirit on the inside of us, right? And guess what that spirit produces? That spirit produces joy. That spirit gives me power. That spirit gives me peace. I'm not just going to be anxious. I'm not just going to be worried. I'm full of the spirit of God, baby. And I'm going to keep Asking God, give me that peace, Lord. Give me that joy. Give me that power. Allow me to walk in confidence, God, of who you call me to be. Allow me to walk without anxiousness and without fear. I don't want to be held back by it anymore. I'm going to keep asking God to provide it. In this church, we talk a lot about a punch and a hug. It's a reference to how Jesus is full of grace and full of truth, where Jesus was tender, but at the same time, wasn't scared to hurt your feelings when it came to sharing what needed to be shared, right? Punch and a hug. Jesus is saying through his word, right? I told you to stop worrying. I I think on this topic around worry, I think in the church, we've been hugging each other a little too much. 
allowing each other to stay anxious. And, and here, here's what I'm afraid we don't recognize when it comes to our anxiousness and our, and our worrying. And, and here's the punch. But I'm, I'm saying this because I love y'all. I want to pastor y'all well. And I really believe the Holy Spirit can set us free from this. Amen. What I'm afraid we don't recognize is that our worry and our anxiousness is actually a manifestation of our unbelief. Y'all clap, but that convicted me, boy. Our our worry and our anxiousness might just be a manifestation in our unbelief in the good character of God and the good provision of God. And what I want you to know this morning is unbelief will lead you places God unintended you to go. I don't want to be that crazy fire and brimstone preacher who's insensitive and and never acknowledges grace, but I also know it's my duty to build up the church, right? And if all I give you is grace and I don't give you the truth, you don't get free, right? Because it's the truth that sets you free. Unbelief will take you places God unintended you to go. And what I know to be true is unbelief is dangerous in our spiritual walk. Unbelief is dangerous in the kingdom because unbelief takes us places God unintended us to go. And I get it, y'all. Life happens, man. Anxiety and worry hits. What am I going to do now? Right? And my wife finds out she's going to kill me. When my kids grow up, they're going to leave the faith. My, my job's gone. Where's the money going to come from? The, the big presentations do. I hope I do well. Uh, I'm addicted to these pills. Am I going to be addicted to these pills forever? And I want to share with the Spirit of God, share with me as I went through his word in Matthew, in Matthew 6. Look at this little snippet from Matthew 6, verse 27. It says this. Can all your worries add a single moment to your life, Jesus says? Who knew Jesus was condescending? Wow. Can all your worries, Jesus, with the sarcasm, I can't believe it. It's like he had a personality or something. Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? Goes on in verse 28. Why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for the wildflowers that are here today and thrown in the fire tomorrow, He's going to care for you. He's going to care for you. So why do you have so little faith? Jesus is saying, don't you know that God cares? So why are you worried? And what he goes on to do at the end of this verse in Matthew 30 is he parallels worry with unbelief. You see that? He says, why do you have so little faith to not trust that he cares enough to supply your every need? When we worry, oftentimes we're expressing unbelief that God cares and that his provision can be trusted. I'm worried because it's not going to work out, but God told us in Romans, I'm working all things together for the good of those who love me. You don't need to be worried. You don't need to be anxious. You don't need to be fearful. Amen? I just wonder, do we live like we believe it? You know, in the beginning of my prayer, I said, God, help us to not just be hearers of your word, but help us to be doers. Some of us are all too content to just stay worried and stay fearful and stay anxious. But Jesus told us, don't do that. Let's continue. Verse 31, Jesus is still speaking. He says, so don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? 
What will we drink? What will we wear? Here's another revelation I received as I, as I went through this verse. We're, notice the tense of the questions Jesus asked. What will we drink? What will we wear? What will we do? If this ha- what are we gonna do? Worry when it forms, it's because we're fixating, we're focusing on the future rather than the present right now. Worry forms when we focus on the future. Online crowd, I've been neglecting y'all because I forgot about you, but here I am. I remembered you now. Maybe that's you sitting on the couch right now. Come on, God told you, don't worry. Quit focusing on the future. Focus on the present. He will provide what you need for right now. Shout amen if you believe it. We don't have to worry because God cares about us. We don't have to worry because God cares. And he expressed his care for us through Jesus. So Jesus is the source of my hope, the source of my joy. The source of my significance, the verse continues. Jesus continues speaking to us. Verse 32, these things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. People who don't have the hope of Jesus need to worry. People who don't know me, it makes sense for worry to be in their life. But for you, you're not an unbeliever. Worry has no place. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly father, he already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. and Live righteously. And he'll give you everything you need. Jesus is saying, don't worry. Seek me. You'll be fine. That's simple. Don't worry. Seek me. You'll be fine. I want to do something. A little exercise. Everyone take a big, deep breath. Come on, let's do one more. Come on. Feels good, doesn't it? Online, you watching? Come on. I remember y'all. Do you trust? that God cares enough to sustain you and keep his promises he made towards you? Do we trust him? Listen, I understand we all feel the emotion of worry and anxiousness. And we can make the case that even Jesus did when he was in the garden, right? That he wrestled with it. And our anxiousness and our worry, I mean, it can be like a helpful, literally survival instinct, right? Y'all seen that show alone on Netflix? There's people out here around bears and wolves. I'm telling you, it's like, ah, a bear, run. Like, come on, thank you, worry, for for keeping me alive, (laughs) amen. But the problem arises when our unbelief in the good character and the good provision of God settles, and now I'm led by my worry. I need to get out of here. I need to take it into my own hands. Uh, I'm never going to feel joy again unless I reach for the bottle. Uh, I don't want to be alone. I don't like this. It's, it's lonely. So I'll just compromise into this relationship that I know is not the will of God, but I don't want to be alone. So I'm just going to take it into my own hands. I'm worried. I would make the argument that worry can't lead you into the promises of God. Only faith can. Unbelief will lead you places God unintended you to go. Maybe some of y'all are familiar with um, the story from the Old Testament. Y'all good? Y'all still with me? Okay. So in the Old Testament, we see Moses walks up to a burning bush. God gives him a call, lead the Israelites out of Egypt, set them free. He walks them through the Red, the Red Sea, right parts of the Red Sea, big, huge miracle. It's insane. And then they get on the other side of the, uh, of the Red Sea and they're like, what now? Here we go, right? So God appoints Moses the leader and he has a conversation with Moses and he promises Moses, that he's going to rescue them from their oppression. And and he did because God cares for his people, right? Then God tells Moses 
the Lord, your God is providing you a place of rest. They're coming out of their oppression. They're coming out of their slavery. He says, the Lord, your God is providing you a place of rest and will give you this land. He's talking about the promised land, the land flowing with milk and honey. Now I want you to understand Moses acts as the mediator between God and the Israelites. So God speaks to Moses. Moses speaks to the Israelites. The Israelites will speak to Moses. Moses will go to God for the Israelites on their behalf. And the reason I want to say that is because uh, the people would have known, the Israelites know because Moses would have shared the message. God is providing you a place of rest and he's going to give you the land. God said it. Now, if you're, if, if you're familiar with the story, you know that in preparation to enter the promised land, Moses assigns 12 spies to go into the land, scope it out, come back, bring back a report. Okay, so they, they go into the land and then they come back and here's the report. We find this in Numbers 13. Check this out. This was their report to Moses. The 12 spies just went, they explored the land, they just came back. This was their report to Moses. We entered the land you sent us to explore, and it is indeed bountiful country, a land flowing with milk and honey. Look how big these grapes are. This is the kind of fruit it produces, right? Things are huge. But they said, y'all can laugh at that. If not, that's okay. But everyone say but. But the people living there are powerful, and their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there. Saw giants. And after this report, an unsettledness begins rippling through the Israelite camp. And I imagine upon receiving this news, the Israelites in their camp, people are starting to murmur, there's giants, there's giants. How are we going to go? Where are we going to go? Where, where did you hear? Did you hear what they said? There's this, this, this rumors and, and murmuring and people are voicing their, are you, there's, there's one dude weeping in the back. He's, there's giants in the land. I left everything. Can you imagine? You've been set free. You're in the wilderness. You don't know what you're going to do, where you're going to go. And the place that God told you he was going to give you is fortified and it has giants in it. But in this moment, one of the 12 spies, now we know there were two who had faith, but one of the 12 spies speaks up in Numbers 13, verses 30 through 33, says this, Caleb. But Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. Caleb's like, hey, stop crying in the back. It's going to be okay. Just wait. Let's go take the land. We can conquer it. God said he would give it to us. We need to go. Let's go take the land, right? says, but the other men who explored the land with him disagreed. No, we, we can't go up against them. We, they're stronger than we are. Uh, so they spread this bad report about the land among the Israelites. The land we traveled through and explored will devour anyone who goes to live there. All the people we saw, they were huge. We even saw giants there and the descendants of Anak. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers. And that's what they thought too. And I think it's so easy for us to read this story. Keys, you can come whenever you're ready. I think some spiritual music might be good right now. But it's so easy for us to read this story and judge the Israelites and say, are y'all kidding me? 
You guys have literally been led by fire and cloud. You got Moses who's sending direct text messages, answering phone calls from the Lord, you know, interacting between you guys. You got, you've heard the audible voice of the Lord tell you, I got you. I'm going to give you the land. But I also know it to be true that we'll have God deliver us from addiction. We'll have God heal our body. We'll have God save us, sanctify us. He'll sustain us day after day. And we're still worried. God, what are we going to do? And Jesus promised, commanded us in Matthew 6. Hey, God cares for you. Seek him. Live righteously. He'll give you everything you need. Don't worry. We see God tell the Israelites, I'll give you the land. But God, there's giants in the land. God's like, don't worry. I said, I'll give you the land. God, we're, we're pregnant again. How are we going to afford this? Don't worry. Seek me. I'll give you everything you need. God, I think I'm going to make rent this month. Don't worry. Seek me. I'll give you everything you need. God, my wife says she's going to leave me. Don't worry. Seek me. I'll give you everything you need. Jesus is saying, listen, son. Listen, daughter. Where's your faith? Look at the birds. Look at the flowers. I take care of them. How much more do I care about you? What are you worried for? Seek me. I'll take care of everything you need. I sustain everything day after day. Where's your faith, son? Where's your faith, daughter? Don't you know that I care? What are you worrying for? But if we're not careful or unbelief, that God isn't going to do what he said he's going to do, will lead us into places of disobedience. I don't know where we're going to get the money, so I'm going to scheme to get it. I don't know where I'm going to get my joy, right? So I'm going to grab the bottle. I'm going to turn to the pills. I don't want to be alone. I'm going to compromise. Yet the reality is our unbelief, right? Our, our worry is our unbelief manifested. Unbelief will lead us places God unintended us to be. So now I'm addicted. Not now I'm discontent in, in, in this some of us just need to trust and wait on the Lord and he will renew your strength. Read it in my study, so I'm guessing it's true, but that trip into the promised land should have taken the Israelites 11 days. And what should have taken them 11 days took them 40 years because of unbelief. Unbelief will take you, God, will take you places God unintended you to go. There was two spies, Joshua and Caleb, we said, no, we need to take the land. God cares. He'll give it to us. Right, Caleb, Caleb and Joshua. But the rest of the spies and the rest of the Israelites were too worried, too anxious, too fearful to inhabit the place of rest, the place of peace. So a whole generation of Israelites along with Moses never got to enter this place of rest because they were too worried. Their unbelief kept them from places God unintended them to go. This might sound elementary, but I know it to be true. Worry will keep you from rest. Worry will steal your peace. Worry 
is unbelief in the provision of God. And unbelief will lead you to disobedience. Disobedience leads to destruction. So I was reading through the book of Hebrews in my own time. And I, and I have to share it with you guys. I, I'll, I'll share this and then, I, and then I'll let you go, I promise. Hebrews 3 says this. I thought it was so good. Hebrews 3 verse 13, it says, you must warn each other every day. The writer wrote this. You must warn each other every day while it's still today so that none of you will be deceived by sin and hardened against God. For if we are faithful to the end, faithful to the end. Come on. Trusting God just as firmly as when we first believed. We will share in all that belongs to Christ. Do you want to share in all that belongs to Christ? Come on. Remember what it says. Today, when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts as Israel did when they rebelled. And who was it who rebelled against God even though they heard his voice? Wasn't it the people Moses led out of Egypt and who made God angry for 40 years? Wasn't it the people who sinned, whose corpses lay in the wilderness and to whom was God speaking? when he took an oath that they would never enter his rest. Wasn't it the people who disobeyed him? So we see, this is it, don't miss it, church. So we see that because of their what? So we see that because of their unbelief, they were not able to enter his rest. But here's the good news, because I know that's a morbid, kind of depressing thought. And this is grace and truth. Hebrews chapter four, first couple verses in the next, next chapter, it says, but God's promise of entering his rest still stands. I had planned in my head, the promise still stands. Come on. Great is your faithfulness. We'll have Elliot do that though, okay? God's promise for rest still stands. So we ought to tremble with fear that some of you might fail to experience it. For this good news that God has prepared, this rest has been announced uh, to us just as it was to them, but it did them no good because they didn't share the faith. They didn't share the trust of those who listen to God. For only we who believe can enter his rest. My question for you this morning is, do you believe in the promises of God? Do you trust the person of Jesus? Do you trust that the work was finished on the cross? Do you trust that if we just seek him and live righteously, he'll give us everything we need? He's the doorway to peace for your eternity, but also for right now. We can live set free from worry right now. And by faith, I believe that he's peace for eternity because I'm not there yet. But I know for a fact that he's peace in the temporary right now. Because in sixth grade, I was surrounded by a, a mob of angry middle schoolers. And I remember thinking, God, help me. And somehow, man, some way, these 12 angry kids, boys, and one girl, they let me take my bike home, unscathed. This morning, church, you have the opportunity to leave your unbelief and your worry behind and step into a life full of faith with a God who will provide you everything you need. I'm not saying it's always gonna be easy. I'm not gonna be always, I'm not gonna say you're always gonna be in agreement 
but by faith, God, by faith, trusting him, we can step into a relationship this morning with a God who will give us everything we need. Thank you so much for joining us. Special thanks to those of you who give to this ministry. It's because of you that this ministry is possible. You can check out the link in the description to give or visit destinychurch.me slash give. Don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends. We love you and have a blessed week.